up here and go ourselves. As soon as he let's go here. Let's see in any second now we are let's see live. Are we? Yes, live. There it is. Yes we are. And there it is. Okay. So you'll see it as soon as it There it is. So you can basically share it from right there. So you click right here, share. And then that's it, yeah. Sure now. Mm-hmm. And then we'll turn this down. <laughs> there we it's go. Every time, every, every week. <laughs> hey, it's it's yeah, a live show. What do yeah. you expect? Uh, All right. You you want everything to be organized? You pre-record it. You edit it. You remove everything that you don't want to talk about, yeah. and you put it, slap <laughs> it on Facebook. <laughs> I think right. I think our audience understands and appreciates that by now. So. All right. Here we go. Happy Monday, guys. How are you? Pretty good. How about yourself? How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you. Uh, live with us today, we have... Oh, how are you, by the way? I was going to say what about... <laughs> I feel left out. <laughs> we have guests here. Uh, happy Monday, guys. Happy we, ha we have one of the youngest guests today uh, alongside his father. The youngest that we've ever had. We've ever had, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have Stephen Alakhani and Mr. Armik Alakhani. This isn't me, right? It is me. Sorry. <laughs> it is me. See, I'm telling you, every week, it's either me or it's Edgar. Uh, unfortunately, Edgar's sick today, so he wasn't able to join us. Edgar, feel better. Uh, we're definitely going to see you next week. So um, drink a lot of vitamin C, drink a lot of tea, put some nabat in there, put some honey, some whatever you can. Just get it out of your system. Feel better, buddy. We'll see you next yeah, week. We all get one call-in sick day a year, so, right, so <laughs> he's, he's utilized this for the night. Yeah, we'll write you up next time you're sick, so uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thank it's you. a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Monday to join us. Uh, Steven, like we were saying, is the youngest guest we've had. Yes. We went back and forth before <laughs> when posting it. We said a 15-year-old uh, Lamborghini race car driver. World champion. World race champion car, yeah. race car driver. And then Armand sends me a text he goes oh no he's 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 25 he's, he's, <laughs> 24 he's, yeah he's 20 he's 24 i'm like oh my god i'm like we just i mean this is we ruined the post yeah. so i go in i change it to 24 and then i go wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute no this this can't be right we did some more research and in fact he's not 15 i was wrong armin was wrong he's actually 16 <laughs> so uh steven is a 16 year old world champion lamborghini driver i mean that's First question is: Well, a lot of people have asked. You don't. You have a driver. You don't have a driver's license. No, I don't. Okay. I, well, actually, reason why was because uh, I was so busy with racing that I was six months late to getting my permit. So now I'm waiting to get, get my driver's license. <laughs> the test. doesn't make an exception when you're a world champion driver. <laughs> you would think they're like, oh, I just give it to him. He doesn't need to. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that is insane to me. The fact that I mean. When you went in to take your permit test, and I mean, there, there's no any 16 year old nowadays, you put them behind the wheel, they'll put their foot in their, they'll put their right foot on the gas, their left foot on the brake, <laughs> and they'll be like, all right, what do I do now? With him, it's like, all right, you know, where's the Lamborghini? <laughs> are you, so are you, dri are you driving at all as far as like for the hours or any of that stuff? Well, to kind so of I actually, speaking of that, I finished my hours 
this morning. Okay. <laughs> so that's done. That's out of the way. So I just have to schedule a day to go into the DMV and actually take my driver's test. Were you driving like a Corolla or something around town? Uh, Prius C. Uh, oh, man. Not bad. Yeah, it's that's... just as fast. <laughs> it's instant torque. Instant torque. Instant yeah. torque. I'd see, that's crazy. Two to inches me. of instant torque, and then you got to push it the rest of the way. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel when, okay, you. Okay, let me ask you this. When did you start driving, driving as far as, um, you know what, I want to be a race car driver? When did the passion start? Where did, all it, where did it all begin? Let's ask you that. Well, it began because my father was, uh, obviously, he was a car collector, and he was collecting cars ever since he came to the States. Um, and then when I turned seven years old, uh, I first got into go-karts. That was, like, my first time actually getting into go-karts. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of before that, I just always had like this passion for, you know, cars and speed. And I was always like fascinated by them, you know, everything, like how they work and stuff. And then, so I did karting for about, uh, three, four years. And then when I was 11, I, we did like private track day events and we would take like our street cars and I would drive street cars, uh, on the track at the age of 11. Um, So, I mean, the good thing was, is that when I was 11, I looked semi-older than what I actually was. So, we can get by with them 16 Uh at the the track. Um, And then we did streetcars for about a year. Then we bought the Lamborghini Gallardo Super Trofeo, which was the, not the streetcar because that's the Stradale, but the Super Trofeo is the full-on race car with the roll cage, the, you know, the seats, the slicks and everything. Um, We practiced with that for about a year. Um, out drove the car, moved into the Huracan, out drove that, and got the Huracan Evo, and now we've just been holding on to that, and now we're in the uh, season, which actually just ended. Uh, came back from Spain about a week ago, winning the world champion title. So Congratulations on that. You won Thank that you. with the Evo. Yeah, because wow. um, the Evo is the only thing, or the only, excuse me, the only uh, car that's legal in the series, mm-hmm. um, just because all the cars, the old car to the new car, it's about a three-second difference and lap time wise Mm -hmm. so they want all the cars to be the exact same because it's a spec series so we finished that um came back and now we're here see it's going from 11 at 11 years old you're taking a a street car to a track and you're racing i mean did you did you what were you doing at 11 that's what I want to know. I was playing on the, probably either a Nintendo 64 or I was playing, you know what I was playing? Probably Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. <laughs> That's what I was probably doing. Whereas Steven here, he's actually driving on the track. I'm trying to visualize, you know what? I'm going to soup up this M5 so it'll look, it'll go as yeah. fast as possible. Well, you have Steven here actually putting pedal to the metal. At the comfort of your own couch <laughs> while he's on the track. So, I mean... Did you go to your homeschooling now? Correct, because of yeah. the, because of obviously the racing and the traveling and all that. Now, at the age of eleven, were you going to regular school or was it homeschooling? Yeah, so still? I actually moved into online school uh, start of last year, mm-hmm. and I've just been doing that. And it was like I was pretty hesitant at first, just because it was kind of like you know you're not gonna like be seeing your friends every day and just you know experiencing like the as people call it this day, these days, like the uh, quote-unquote high school life or yeah. like that time period. But leaving was probably the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and homeschooling, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, Just I'm, because, I mean, you can do everything at your own pace. Of so. course, of course. But at the age of 11, I mean, most kids at the age of 11, like I said, you know, you're playing the Grand Turismo, you were driving. 
I mean, how did your friends react to something like that? I mean, did they ever go to their parents and say, well, you know, Steven's dad, you know, got him a car and he's driving around. <laughs> but come on, I can't get <laughs> one. Come on, I can't get one. I mean, what were the conversations you would have with your friends with that stuff? Well, I mean, I would really, like, keep it to myself okay. most of the time because I didn't really like talking about it just because it would spark, like, a huge, like, conversation. And uh, I didn't really like talking about it too much. Um, so I really kept it hidden. I just said that. Uh, my father was the one driving and I was just basically there and I just I would just have like photos and like videos and stuff like that and I just say like oh it's him because um all my friends at the time I mean even now um still the same friends they're still all into cars and you know we always have a fun time just joking around with uh our cars and stuff um but yeah so I really just kept it hidden until about a couple years ago when we really started um pushing uh like the race program and the racing season and all that stuff and that's really when everyone started figuring it out and then the questions started rolling in as far as like what you know when you're all over the newspapers (laughs) maybe maybe it is him driving it's not his dad (laughs) (laughs) it's just to me it's kind of it's baffling to me because it's you truly i mean i hope you take this in a very very good way but because it's truly being gifted being able to do what you're doing at that age mm-hmm. because hand-eye coordination and we'll get into the training and all that as well. Not every, I mean, there's 30 year olds now that can't do what you do. I mean, they, they'll train and train and train and train, but it's like they still come in second places and third places. And some of them just even retire early, but at the age of 16, dude, you're a world champion. I mean, <laughs> and you're an Armenian world champion. Which is like the icing on the cake for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's get into let's get into this. Um, the training, mm-hmm. there's a lot of obviously physical, mental, emotional training that goes into this. I mean, how does how do you prep for a race? Go on, go on with that. As far as uh, where from start to end, where you guys start, and then like emotionally, how you prep yourself because Dad was talking about uh, being emotionally prepared for a race mm-hmm. as well. Correct? Yeah. So, I mean, how do, you, how do you guys prep from day one to race day? Well, let's take a step back and kind of when did you have to start taking the t- training seriously? Was it right after go-karting or at what point did you guys have to sit down and say, well, now we need an actual coach, a uh, trainer, physical trainer, mental trainer, maybe nutritionist, whatever else it takes. How, at what point did you go from that to and then... Now we're going to start racing. Uh, probably <coughs> like mid, late, uh, when I was 15, moving into 16. Um, just so because. Yeah. Um, okay. But we just did it so much that I just, you know, grew a lot and took a lot in from it. Um, but reason why was because um, at age 16, um, I was allowed to race in the series. And uh, we were like just talking about it and saying, you know, this is like the time to really start pushing it and we're really going to like go into the series um you know like a month before the first race i was just kind of like you know because i'm not nervous you know driving the car but it's just you know actually being there with other drivers in the same car it's kind of like a different feeling um whereas you're driving by yourself on the track um or for example uh, if people want to relate it whereas you're driving with your friends in the street or you're driving by yourself in the street you know it's just like a different feeling um and so we decided that it was you know, time to really start putting the effort in. We're really going to, you know, shoot for first and do everything we can. And that's when we started the training program. 
So within months you went from thinking about it to actually putting in uh, investing into the trainers and all that and winning well, a championship? Well, n- n- no, actually, like his main training started when he was 12 years old. <coughs> And uh, when we got into the Gallardo Super Trofeo, obviously we hired a proper team to uh, to be able to support the car. Um, there's a lot going on behind the racing, such as you have to have a proper crew, proper engineer, and you have to have a proper training with the driver to be able to communicate with your engineer and say, okay, I feel like car is a little loose or I need like car to be a little pointy or I need car to be a little more subtle. So that takes training by itself. Mm. And you can't just get there unless you really push the car to the limit. Mm. Because remember, no car is perfect. If, yeah. a, if a driver comes out and say, my car is a perfect, means you're not pushing it right. It means you're not doing things so right. So the way it's manufactured, even though this is not a standard... Lamborghini, you go to a dealership and purchase, right? Correct. It's, it's specially ordered from the distributor or manufacturer. Right. And you cannot just walk to the Lamborghini dealership. You yeah. said, I want to buy a race car. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay, who are you? It's like slap on a roll cage <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, his training started when he was 12 years old. And um, he, he had that passion, obviously, and he was a gifted kid. But we really... Uh, took it to the different level. We took it seriously. So it's different like when you treat it as a weekend warrior, then you make it as a hobby, now a lifestyle versus a career. Yeah. Now it's a career for him. At, so, yeah, so good. Yeah, so then <clears throat> at age 13, he was pretty much at training every other week in the track while he was karting and racing as well. So you, you were driving the Lamborghini at the age of thirteen. You were already on, you were behind the wheel of a Lamborghini. Yeah. And was this a Gallardo or was it the uh, the Gallardo? The Gallardo at mm-hmm. the time. Wow. Now, as a father, when you say he was gifted, um, what was it that you saw? Because every parent thinks that their kid is gifted. Correct. I mean, we, that's very subjective. What do you mean? Not every kid is gifted. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yes, in their own unique way, they are. But what was it in him that? You, I mean, you being a car guy, you grew up collecting cars. You're a very successful businessman. But how? What, what did you see in him where you're like, well, he's not going to play basketball or football or tennis. I think he's going to be a race car driver. What was it in him that just uh, triggered that thought process as a parent sure. for you? Because and it's a huge investment. It's not like you know you don't go pick up a power wheel and then right. you start driving at the park. It's <laughs> it's a huge huge investment. And so what was it about him that? Uh, well, he was 12 years old when um, he was pretty much done with the carding. And um, actually, well, 11, when I took it to the uh, a track day. And I was with my bunch of friends, and we were having a fun. And, uh, you know, I took my sports car, and then he asked me to drive the car. I was like, well, I don't think you're ready. He was like, Dad, please, let me drive the car. I said, Okay drive the car and then he's driving and then I can see that he really wants to go even faster so I was like okay let's do the proper training if you want to get it behind the wheel and we'll take you to private track that it's safe environment and make sure you're all safe and you know your safety rules and all that stuff and uh, so I was very kind of an open-minded father when I started that 
And then when he was age 12, um, I put him in behind a, a really fast car. And he went on a track. And next thing I know, other drivers got on a track. I was like, oh, my God, he's in the track right now. And uh, no, he was managing it pretty good. I was like, hmm, okay, then let's start training. And then after a couple of training sessions with the private coach, coach said, well, he's very talented. He knows what he's doing. And we need to spend more time. And that was a time where kind of like um, the public and social media was kind of harsh on me as well because they were like, okay, this is now a child endangerment and that father needs to be arrested and all that (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Now you could sneeze on your child and they'll think you're told child endangerment. You sneezed on your child. You have to be careful. You got parents who actually abuse their kids and child protective services doesn't do anything. (laughs) This man that's actually investing time and money to his son is is abusing you. Yeah, it's like, you know what? The the kid is good as what he's doing. I'm here. I'm supervising him. It's not like I'm letting him do whatever he wants. It's something where it's, it's a serious investment that we're making as a family. And it's a, it's a decision I'm making for my child. Right. And it's something you wanted to do, clearly. Mm. I hope you weren't forced into this. No. Okay. <laughs> and I, I think, I hope you feel very fortunate that you have the privilege and the luxury of being able to have a father that's been able to support this for you, right? I mean, of course. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, every single day it's like, you know, not just saying this to say this, but it's like truly a blessing, you know, to have uh, the life that you know, I really have, to have the father that I have. Um, and just, you know, having a support, it's something different, you know, whereas, you know, it's crazy, but it sounds weird, but it's hard to come by these days, too. Of course. You know, even having that constant support and that constant drive, because um, I definitely wouldn't be here if I didn't have his support or him pushing me, you know, into really saying, like, you can do this, you know, you shouldn't back out. Yeah. I mean, we were laughing about this five minutes ago as far as the whole Gran Turismo and stuff, but... Your dad was saying, you know, you took the wheel, you went, we went out on the track and you started driving. What did you feel? I mean, how did you feel when you took the steering wheel and you were on the track? Did you ever play any video games as far as, you know, Gran Turismo's, Grand Theft Auto's, any of those stuff? Oh, yeah. On a, did you play them on I a play. steering wheel? Uh, or on I, a controller? No, on a controller. Okay, so... Which <laughs> is even better, going from a controller to a car. <laughs> yeah, See, that's... Because that makes a difference. No, right? no, of course <laughs> it does, man. I mean, you're, okay, here's the thing. He's playing on a controller, and then now he's 11 years old, he's, he's getting behind his steering wheel, and his dad is watching him drive. It's like, okay, you know what? At the time, I'm sure, Armik, you were saying, you know, let him go have fun. And then you're looking at him, you're like, oh my God, you know, he's... Well, it's fun until then now there's other cars. Now it becomes dangerous. It's no longer fun. Of course. But, I mean, <laughs> right. what were you feeling? I mean, how, did you actually feel like, okay, you know what? Like, it was just second nature to you? Or how, what was it? Because I remember the first time I got behind the wheel. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> he was 24, by the way. <laughs> 25. <laughs> um, and I mean, it almost felt like, it almost felt right. Um kind of in a way where I was, you know, able to, you know, do my own thing. I was in control of the situation that was going on. And it was just, you know, that feeling of like the speed and like the excitement and the rush. And that's what kind of kept me going to always being like, hey, like when's like the next tractor? Like, can I drive again? Or like, can I go down the street or something? Um, And it was just, you know, the excitement that it would give me. And that was like the main thing for just constantly like drawing me in like more and more. 
and you just you wanted to go faster basically that's what it was yeah and as how long did it take you to actually kind of open up and you know feel like okay you know what i could push myself to controlling the car at i don't know i mean what what, what are your norm like as far as times are concerned let's say for example you take a turn at 50 miles an hour 40 miles an hour how long did it take you to actually be able to take turns at a faster at a faster speed well basically um because i didn't have a coach when we were doing street cars too much um uh i would kind of do it like old school style whereas these days you have like all like the data in car and stuff you can you know like compare it to um but what i'd do is i'd basically look at the speedometer right before a corner and i'd be like all right it can do the turn at 65 let's try 70 and if it goes off then it goes off or like not goes off but if it like comes around on me mm-hmm. then the car comes around and i basically just you know control it and just go from corner to corner um just trying to find the highest possible speed, uh, speed that i could um just basically using a rpm gauge and a speedometer and that was all i did to train myself until we got an actual coach <laughs> see that's crazy i would i would have to slow down turn the blinker on check my blind <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and w- when you got when your dad ended up getting you the coach, what <clears throat> what did you notice that was different? I mean, in terms of did you accelerate uh, your knowledge and technique of driving right away, or was it a timely process? How how did that whole uh, kind of transition take place, where you went from an amateur, or let me just test it out five more miles an hour, mm-hmm. versus now I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, it was definitely at a quicker rate than I thought, mm-hmm. um, just because I didn't, you know, really experience what it was having, you know, what it was, what, uh, what it was like to have like an actual coach, um, to really be there the entire time and like watch you corner for corner and tell you exactly what you're doing wrong and, you know, fixing the lines and telling you to, uh, like over the radio, telling you to go on the gas, like a hair quicker and just being like the car won't do it. And just, you know, having to trust his word. Um, and that was the biggest thing was just really finding the limits of the car and just training my skills. And that was the biggest thing of having the coach because, um, you know, once you get through that phase, once you're at the level of you can drive, you know, a car really fast on the track, you can almost do that with any car. You just need to hop in and just adapt to the way that the car reacts. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the really big thing was that we focused on was just driving technique. Wow. Interesting. Uh, we have a ton of people asking uh, questions, so I mean, we can get to a couple of them and then we'll sure. jump back into. Uh, first one is from Mark. He says uh, his question is: uh, Right after the karting, were you racing single seaters or was it always sports cars? Uh, always sports cars. I did do single seaters um, one time with uh, Allenberg Racing Schools in Laguna Seca. Um, I did that at the age of 14, uh, if I remember correctly, but it just got to the point where I was getting too tall and I couldn't really fit in the cars. So we kind of scrapped that idea and went back to the, to the GT cars. See, we, we talked about, uh, you being tall off the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a Gallardo and the, uh, Huracan aren't, they're, they're not the big boy Lamborghinis. They're not the V10s, but 12s or is it twelves or twelves? Yeah, yeah, twelves. I'm sorry, they're V10s. So I mean, they're not long cars. They're not big cars. And you being tall, now do you have? To, do they custom make the seats for you? So you, when you're sitting in there, you're comfortable as far as, or is it like when you go to the dealer, you buy it, the seats where it is, and you kind of have to. 
Well, no. Um, so the bolts that hold the seat in place are mounted into the chassis. However, there are certain um, uh, sliders that you can uh, either lift the seat, move it back, move it forward, um, just to basically get you comfortable with the pedal position because the steering wheel is obviously adjustable. Um, and so basically because of me being super tall, I have the seat uh, far back and really far down um, just because um, my legs would like used to hurt a lot um, because we couldn't move the seat in the Gardo too much. It didn't have as much adjustment as the Huracan did. So my legs would like really start to hurt and, you know, it was just a problem. So I couldn't really do long driving stints in the Gardo. And then once you did the Huracan, we could adjust the seat more. I was like, wow, this is totally game changer. Yeah. Definitely. You're what, 6'1 or 6'3? 6'3. Yeah. Wow. Six, oh, three. Yeah. I mean, 6'3 in a, in a Huracan or a Gallardo? That's yeah, that's, that's tall. You are, I mean, I could just imagine, but we talked about being prepared physically, emotionally, and mentally. Do you have a specific diet that you're on? I know it sounds it sounds crazy, but there is a specific diet yeah. that you're on to prep yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what does your nutrition consist of? Uh, basically, breakfast is just a protein shake. Um, lunch would basically just be, you know, like a plain chicken breast-like protein, just pure, clean protein, nothing else. Maybe like salt and pepper, and that's really it. Um, and then dinner would probably be more like seafood, just really clean um, and healthy. And then maybe, like, occasionally I'll get, like, one day where I can really start eating. But it's kind of like I really feel terrible after just because my body's so used to the way I eat and all the protein shakes. And it's just, you know, a totally different, like, lifestyle. You have to change everything, too, just yeah. to <laughs> be in racing. I, th I think that's probably one of the most difficult things for people to understand is because they think, well, you know, I'm sitting in the car. I'm in the in-and-out drive-through. doesn't. I feel the same when I drive out. <laughs> so what's the difference between that and, you know, why does he have to have like a, uh, you know, what's his name, Tom Brady type of diet where mm -hmm. everything, the guy doesn't, you know, has never had apparently strawberries or whatever. Really? Yeah. He wrote a book about his specific right. diet. I don't know if you've read that book, but where everything he eats is anti-inflammatory and specific. I mean, it sounds like yeah. you're kind of doing the same thing where, is it just to maintain weight, or is it stamina, or is it um, more energy? or less? What is it? I mean, like energy, um, cutting weight down, uh, and just keeping a constant weight. Um, start of the season, uh, I was um, 185 before we really started like focusing on you know like all like our workouts and stuff like mm -hmm. that. You know, kind of like I was saying, when like 15 moving to 16, we really started like pushing our training uh, regimen. Um, I was 185 and now, uh, start of the season, uh, first race, I was about 180, second race, 175, and now I'm holding 165 wow. and I've, uh, you know, it, you know, doesn't sound crazy, but 20 pounds obviously, you know, makes a difference in the car. Of course. Um, and especially toll on your body just because, you know, you sit in the seat better, uh, you have like a better feeling and your energy is just way higher yeah and speaking of, of weight in the car you said so you're at 165 now now can you soup up the car in any way as far as removing seats adding uh, you know re basically the weight removing weight the car is no the car locked how it is yeah now th those are specific guidelines by for example the federation or whoever it is that you mm -hmm. guys race for so i mean what is how does it happen basically you just 
okay, you have a Lamborghini. Do, how do they come in and actually do the measurements? What's for, what's for, right. for that? So, so the cars are all FIA homologation um, cars that they're pretty much in a spec series. And um, you can't change any parts on the car. You cannot change the motor, the gearbox, even the seats. And uh, the steering wheel, the electronics, nothing has to be tampered. Everything has to go through the special techs uh, prior to the race, prior to the practice, after qualifying, before qualifying, at the end of the race. So, and if they notice any changes to the car, obviously you will get sanctioned and penalized, and pretty much you, you possibly you'll get banned from the series. So nothing can be changed. And then it depends on the type of the race that you do, uh, there will be some kind of a BOP publication that will be released. BOP stands for balance and performance. So they will say, okay, if you are racing like a Lamborghini Huracan GT3 mm -hmm. versus the Bentley GT3s and versus the Ferrari GT3s, what kind of um, BOP you must have, for instance. They might ask you to install some kind of a restrictors on the motors to manage the horsepower on the car. Or they ask you to put like 20 kgs or 30 kg of weight on a passenger seat. Or the ride height adjustments, in other words, they raise the car. So you're, now you're, you cannot really perform on the turns. It's, yeah. it's, there's a lot involved in a racing that, um, that you just have to deal with it. It's a part of the racing. It depends on a series and depends how one manufacturer does versus the other manufacturers. But yeah. do you have time to practice with those modifications, specific specifications, or when you show up to the race and they're like, well, this is how it needs right. to be? So the, the main uh, success of our team, and especially Steven, was that the amount of time that I spend or our team engineers spend to study all these homologations and the changes to the car and um, we try to do a lot of testing and a lot of practices prior to the race within the same conditions. Mm. I see. So, for instance, like your fuel density changes at 9 a.m. versus at 11 a.m. or versus at 2 p.m. So we have engineers that they calculate fuel densities. And we know exactly what kind of fuel map we need to have for Steven versus another driver in that car. Now, what do you mean by fuel map? In other words, like if Stephen likes to short shift from fifth to sixth and his driving habit is different than another driver or he likes to do a late braking when he goes to a hairpin or a turn versus other driver likes to modulate the brake and uh, upshifts, obviously his fuel consumption is different than the other fuel consumption, other see. driver's fuel consumption. So. We, we calculate all of that. Now, Stevens field consumption at 9 a.m. might be different with that kind of particular tire wear at that time of a day. So there's a lot of data that it goes into just one race because at the end of the day, all the cars are the same. And drivers know exactly where to, where to brake and where to accelerate, but it just comes the driver's training and a team training. Yeah. So is there... A weight class with the drivers, or age class, or is it how how like how do you determine who is racing against? So um, uh, currently, um, drivers uh, classification is mainly made by their 
pace and by the experience. Um, uh, Steven being an AM driver uh, might be like, but his pace is like within the pro guys. <laughs> so um, actually last week we had a French team spend two and a half hours lobbying that they want to kick Steven out of that um, AM world final and put him in a pro world final. Really? Yes. And, um, but we were able to prove it to them that, yes, he might have a really fast pace, but his experience-wise, he's a true, a solid AM driver. Do you think maybe the age fact, age was a factor? Age, age is a factor. So, um, But starting next year, uh, the series wants to follow the FIA's uh, rating. So FIA ratings are bronze, silver, gold, platinum, and you get into the super FIA. Um, Steven is currently silver, but I have a feeling he pretty much will be a gold very soon. And those are the ratings that you don't have a control. FIA assigns the rating based on your age, based on your qualification, and based on your uh, winning and experience. I see. Are, are we still on, or did we get cut off? Sort of, for a split second, it cut off, but let me see here. I think we're on now. Because it still says live here. Yeah. Technical difficulties, yeah. everyone. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just double check it really quickly. You want me to come around? Check. Sorry, guys. Let me just it check. looks. Like it says it's live. Let me see. <clears throat> no, it says we're live. Yeah. Here it said broadcast interrupted. That's why. Sorry about that, peoples. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> just... No, we're okay. We should be okay. So the the advantage, basically, that you have versus the other drivers, a lot comes down to the team of engineers and the crew you have, because that data that you have, how you interpret it, and then how you. how you uh, transfer that to him and how the adjustments he, he makes basically helps you win the race, from my understanding. Absolutely. And, you know, and the thing comes with, like, um, a young driver. Mm -hmm. The advantages that actually you have with the young drivers is, like, um, a driver like a Steven, that we train him from at early ages. Remember, this, this kid did 202 miles an hour and a half mile in a Bugatti when he was 12. And a 12 years a old, Bugatti. absolutely. Wow. So if you tell the driver, <laughs> a young 12-year-old driver, can you do 202 miles an hour? I was like, uh, but I, you know. <laughs> so how, how did you trust him in a 200 mile an hour car? Well, were, I mean, were you next I, to him in a million dollar car. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about? Two, it's a million dollar, two million dollar <laughs> car. So um, it it comes with the training. Obviously, I won't just give him a key and say, "Okay, here go." But that's like might as well just play Suicide. Russian roulette. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, it came with like okay, he had a proper training and he knew what to do. We and we do testing. We're like, okay, Stephen, why don't you do 130 and do 160, 180, 190? Are you feel comfortable? Like, yeah, I can do 200. I'm like, okay, 200, how do you feel? I, I want to do 210. I was like, okay, now. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. So um, 
so going back to your question is like um, when when he was like uh, 15 years old and the engineer told him on a specific turn, it was a high speed turn, like you need to go flat out on this turn. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm standing behind this whole conversation. I'm looking, I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it might be a little crazy to do that. But you have to trust your engineer and say, okay, I trust my engineer. I cannot go 97% throttle because if I go 97% throttle, I'm not going to get that enough downforce on the air to, to be able to stick to the tarmac. Yeah. So I have to go 100% throttle. Now, you're carrying about 170 miles an hour on that turn, obviously. Mm-hmm. But a driver like him, when he says, okay, sure. When he does it, next come around, you trust your engineer, and little by little, you become a really fast driver. Yeah. And a lot of the training comes from, obviously, trial and error. But there's a lot of stuff that you do to Steven right. to train him to right. become a better driver. Uh, off the podcast, we were talking about the tires. So basically, you'll, you'll drive with worn-out tires or tires that you're not supposed to be driving with. Or uh, what else is there that, that you guys factor in as far as in the training besides tires? Because from... Well, my, gas, the, <clears throat> the uh, tank... How empty it is, how full it is. Mm-hmm. When, that's a, that's when a should you do one. a pit stop to refuel, right? All these things. We're talking about the calculations of where are you in the race? Are you first, second, third? How, you know, and you're playing chess basically. I mean, you can yeah. explain it. I've yeah. never driven a race car. <laughs> I'm going off of yeah. <laughs> what you told us earlier. But we're, we're, explaining, <laughs> we're telling Armic what to do, exactly. Let me tell you how it works, Armic. So, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, as a part of his training, like um, we, we, we pick a uh, track that it's um, kind of a technical track. So mm-hmm. you need to be really cautious of what you're doing. Not an easy track. In other words, a lot of elevation changes, like a turns, turns, um, low speed, high speed uh, cornerings and chicanes and S's and stuff like that. So uh, then uh, we train them on a different time of the day. We put a like, um, obviously you start with the fresh tire, with the, with the scrub tire. Then we go to new tires. Then we go to the scrub tire. And then we try to train them to how to manage the car with a really old set of tires and a kind of a later time a day, which your car is now not performing as the like earlier time of a day. And he, be, he needs to be able to keep the consistency. Remember, it's not how fast you go, it's like how fast and consistent you go. Yeah. You might lay down a, and it happened to him that lost a race because he was very fast in the beginning. I have to get on the radio, I was like, you need to manage your tires, manage your tires, drive 95%, drive 92% now. And, um, and it happens. So his really strength has been, number one, his communication with the engineers, his judgment, and his <coughs> consistency. Mm. The, the consistency that I've seen from him, and I just don't want to say it, that he's sitting here, but it's been really amazing yeah. and I'm sure he's getting better because he's still young very young and as time is getting on he's maturing more and he's understanding you know the, the, the actual business itself as well as how to manage everything as far as your tires your fuel everything I mean as time goes on I look at it like this you can compare yourself to Lionel Messi Lionel Messi entered the so- in, into soccer at, at the age of 16 
you look at him playing now, it's like, how old is Lionel Messi again? But the guy's still he's like 32 years old, but it feels like he's been in the, biz- in the game forever. You have that very big advantage over every other driver that you started at such a young age. By the time you're probably, by the time you're like 24, 25, 26, you're going to have 10 years of experience under your belt. So when the younger, when the other guys come in that start racing at 24, 25, you're way, way ahead of them. So, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you're making all of us proud, definitely, especially carrying the Armenian flag with you. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a huge, huge, huge deal. But let me, let's get to this, actually. We were talking about the seats, right, as far as the seats being bolted to the, the, the chassis, correct? Yeah. So tell us about that. Now, you, when you're driving, you actually feel everything, right? Every bump, mm-hmm. every turn. But I mean, Even how- the seat is not adjusted to your body frame, or that's all stock as well? Well, no, because there's different like seat sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, not everyone is six foot three. You know, one sixty five. Right. Some people are five foot ten, one seventy, one eighty. You know, um, so there's um, an extra small seat, a small seat, a medium, and a large seat. Okay. Um, and that's basically uh, like the total, you know, diameter of the seat, how uh, long it is. Um, how long the uh, the legs? Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of it. Uh, where you're, like the depth of the seat? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and especially how uh, like wide the seat is and how narrow it is, um, just to like hold you in place. Um, so, uh, if I was any shorter, I would probably use the extra small seat. But because of my height, I have to use the small seat. Um, the medium seat doesn't hold me enough because uh, that was what. Are the Huracan Evo came with, but I actually swapped out with our old because uh, we have a practice car, so that was a small seat. I put that in my actual uh, race car that I raced in the series, and I just feel much better with that. Mm. And this is why you maintain your weight as well to mm-hmm. fit in that small seat. Yeah, exactly. Now you're wearing a full suit in that as well, right? Yeah. And by full suit, head to toe, like any race car driver, and mm-hmm. then you got a helmet. Mm-hmm. Now, Dad was mentioning. How hot is it in that car? Uh, it does get, you know, really hot. Um, but again, that's why we do all our training mostly in summertime. How Just, many How many degrees? <laughs> really uh, hot it, people it, think is people, 80 degrees. Yeah. No, it's it, really it can, hot. Yeah, 150 degrees wow. is... Uh, that's how hot it is in the is car. the highest we've seen. In the car. Yeah. No AC. No AC. <laughs> and, and, you, and you like to race with your windows <laughs> up. Closed, yeah. Yeah, completely closed. Does it make a difference in the speed if it's closed or open? Um, Not too much, but I just kind of have this, you know, little theory where every, like, little thing that I can, you know, do helps. So I do close the windows, you know, just for, like, the extra arrow. Even if it does absolutely nothing, I just like driving with it, too. Mm, Wow. And there's obviously there's a roll cage in there as well. Yeah. Now... As far as inside the car, I mean, obviously cars are automated windows and stuff. Or are these are these Lamborghinis specced differently? Do, are they are they roll roll up and no, down so windows? They, uh, they come. Uh, they with, pop uh, out. No plexiglass windows, um, and you get a little screen about yeah, it's or tinted, a little. It had a sunroof. And... <laughs> Listen, man, when they were talking about you go to the dealership and you know. <laughs> It's a little bigger than your cell phone. Basically, you get a, <laughs> how much square about you know maybe this big. That's it. Yeah, 
That's all you get. And I have this little box closed, which does probably absolutely nothing, but I like driving with it closed. The doors don't open either, right? You just go through the No, the, the doors the open door too, do, yeah. is open? Oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, in essence, it is still, it's a full-on Lamborghini. It's just spec'd a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, when you look at, there's like BMWs and there's like uh, some of these, I think, Audis and stuff have it, where they have like a competition package. For example, there's no door handles. It's like this... Uh, like a fabric or yeah, something. Yeah, like a fabric yeah. or something where they make the car as light as possible. I figured this Lamborghini was basically built in a way where it was made for a track where you still have the roll-up and down windows. I didn't know it was plexiglass, man. <laughs> yeah. What about the windshield? Full plexiglass, too. So the whole car is... Oh, wow. Yeah. So there is no glass. Uh, actually, um, right behind the front windshield in the little uh, kind of like small window. Triangle. Uh, the triangle window. <laughs> that's uh, glass. That's it. That's yeah. it. And then car, how much carbon fiber is on the car? Uh, the entire shell of the car is carbon fiber. The entire shell? The entire shell, yeah. So it's much lighter than a regular Huracan. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. a, a, what? It's about 2,865 pounds. Wow. The regular one is what, like maybe 4,000? Depends on the so? model, but anywhere from, correct me if I'm wrong, a little over 3,300, 3,400. About 34 to 36. Yeah. Mm. Now, what type of... Physical training, because some of these races, how, how many hours does it take? You're you're doing endurance races too, right? Or what are, what are they called? Well, the Lamborghini series is a 50-minute sprint race. Uh-huh. Um, so training-wise, physically, um, seven days a week, uh, you know, I'll do an hour training, maybe go for like an hour run later that day. Um, and we'll work on, you know, different parts of the body. Like one day we'll do just all like my neck and like reflexes and one day we'll do you know upper body one day will be legs and just and then we'll have one day where it's like a whole body training um and that's we just do that back to back to back and it just trains myself and you're okay with because i would imagine this takes sacrifice you're taking a lot of time away from your teenager oh yeah definitely your i friends mean friends are out yeah i, def- I definitely lose you know doing part of my social life but that's a sacrifice to give the racing but that's definitely something that i take you know for looking what we get out of it i think it's definitely worth it like if every 16 year old (laughs) likes to eat cheeseburger or uh, cheese pizza of course he can't he can't he can't touch when was the last time you had a pizza I think about three months ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Is, is there an off-season where you get to kind of cheat a little bit? or uh, Not an off-season, but an off-day. So basically after a race weekend, um, you know, if I go out and win, then I'll get one day after I get back to eat whatever I want. And then, like I said, I feel like I feel like crap after just because I'm so used to being on this diet. Stomach and everything, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then that's, that's kind of like the thing where I just get one day of freedom. <laughs> Now, as far as like season and off season, how how does that work? I mean, is there specific dates as far as okay, there's a race here, you guys have to register for it, or is racing as far as with you know Lamborghinis and AMGs and all that stuff, is it season wide where wintertime it's completely off season and summertime it's you're all over the place? Um, there isn't really too much of an off season. Racing is kind of like in you know all year like back to back. Sport, um, because mostly in the off season you're spending the time practicing or you're training your body, and that's you know what you have to do every single time, or excuse me, every single day to really just stay in shape and have that extra edge over your competitors. And that's really what matters. That's what it comes down to is, you know, in racing, how much you're willing to sacrifice to go out for the win. 
And this is, and you travel worldwide, right? It's not mm-hmm. like it's only North America. Yeah, worldwide. Now, majority of your races are track, or do you do anything as far as like Grand Prix, like out, you know, like driving through actual roads and stuff in the Lamborghini and in your Lamborghinis? So so far, everything's tracks. Um, however, there might be a little update about uh, next season when the Lamborghini uh, season starts back up. Is that we might go to uh, the streets of Toronto, in Canada. Um, kind of like how we have Long Beach out here in mm-hmm. United States. That's like the kinda, Grand Prix. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of like their version of it, and it's just it's just one uh, one track, and that's the only one that's like a Grand Prix track. Everything else is full on race tracks. Beautiful. Now you live in LA, mm-hmm. so practicing aside the workouts you can do at home or at the gym, mm-hmm. the reflexes and upper body, whatever you do. But practicing, where do you practice in LA? So our uh, the team is stationed kind of a little bit north of Bakersfield in Buttonwillow. Um, that's where our shop is with, you know, all our cars. And right out there, Buttonwillow Racetrack, that's the track where I spent, you know, when I was 12, just day by day, you know, like one day a week being there. And that was the track that I used to practice. Um, so all the cars are serviced out there, they're fixed out there. Um, and recently uh, opened up a shop in Thermal Raceway, Um we have a huge garage out, uh, uh, garage out there with uh, GT4 cars, other race cars, um, and just kind of going back to back. If we want to train at Thermal, we'll go send the car to Thermal, do servicing over there. If we want to train at Bunwillow, send the car to back to Bunwillow, service out there, and train out there. How do those tracks compare? Like I, I've been on Willow Springs. That's the only track I've ever driven on. How does it compare to like a Willow Springs? Yeah, you you cannot compare Willow Springs. Uh, Willow Springs is like from scale of one to ten, ten being the toughest track in the world. Willow Springs probably one. Oh shoot! So um, because it's not that technical, it has nine turns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you, you can go to a track like a Coda with twenty three turns with um, uh, different elevation changes, and um, that track gets a little different uh, uh, feedback at different time of a day, then um, that's like I would consider one of the more technical tracks. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as practices, like we were scheduled to go to Barber Motorsports in the month of March next year. Then we're going to Virginia for four days. We're going to Watkins Glen, New York for two days. Then actually he's he has to go to he has to be in Italy in two weeks for two days of training, come back and then he has eight days of training in Italy next year that it's already scheduled. Now the training is basically what we were talking about as far as with the tires, the fuel, the tracks, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now with the cars, the cars are stationed here. Yeah, you guys fly them out. Correct. It depends on the race. Yes, we send the cars to South Carolina. South Carolina to New Jersey gets on the ship, and it takes about three and a half weeks, and depends where you race, and it goes to that port. Like last race, it was a uh, uh, Jerez in Spain, so went to the uh, port in Spain, and it got transported to Jerez. Well, and it takes three weeks. Mm-hmm. Three weeks, but wow. if you're practicing in Italy, uh, we go through the um, Lamborghini's race director, and he. Um, contacts with the factory teams and they have the full team and engineer ready for Steven to go and so he 
literally grabs his helmets and his suits and he flies there and practices and come back and that's it. If, if On their to, own cars? At their own cars, yes. Mm. Do you get a discount if you were to buy like an Aventador tomorrow? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't Since know you're a Lamborghini driver. <laughs> is, there, is there a friends and family <laughs> thing involved anywhere in there? <laughs> Coupon. <laughs> right? <laughs> because we, we did have a couple of people asking. Um, we, we did discuss what it takes to start. Basically, it's you, you have to have the passion whether you start with go-karting um, uh, or however you decide to start but it aside from that the, the investment it takes they were asking the cost, you know, Alan yeah. was one of the guys asking about what is the cost because obviously these cars you're purchasing them that's probably the cheapest thing you're right <laughs> least that's expensive cost right, right? investment um, and, and it's probably the most expensive sport out there in terms of being a race car driver yeah I would say um, yeah that and probably Polo, uh, oh. it's one of the most expensive um, sports out there. The cheapest part of the um, racing is actual the car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's surprising. That's, which is a what? It's still a $300,000 um, car, right? You can get a um, full-spec uh, Lamborghini uh, Super Trofo Evo for 320000 euro uh, with the GT3 car, 500000 <laughs> So now you're going to endurance racing, he needs... 10 sets of wheels, he needs uh, body parts, he needs, so uh, radios and wiring and this and that and, and, you know, uh, dynoing the dampers and things. So a brand new race car that is ready to be raced, probably about my way is seven hundred thousand dollars just to go, and it, these are things you cannot finance. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no bank. There's no bank. <laughs> it's all you have to wire the funds forty-eight hours before or a month before, and and obviously, and now is not just having the money. It's like okay, who you are mm. that you're ordering this? Oh well, we have a race next week. Mm, okay, we have ten other cars that already in the line, so. So it's, it's, it's. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but let's put it this way: one season of testing and uh, racing, it's could be seven plus figures. Easily. Wow, mm, it's a million plus. Yeah, and yeah. depends. Like if you do Daytona twenty four hours, the, the weekend could be million and a half. Just a one weekend. Wow. So I mean, in essence, starting up, the car is the cheapest part of it. Absolutely. And how many sets of tires do you guys go through in one race? Uh, one race, well, so it's one set of tires for one race, but one whole like race weekend from practice to the end of the second race, probably be about what? Six sets. Six, five. Oh, Six sets, huh? And, and these like are not regular tires. Like they're not no. thousand dollar <laughs> tires. No, the tires are spec tires and uh, Pirelli <clears throat> reps are there. So everything gets logged in. We have a log of every single tire. So if you ask me September of 2016 and September 5th, if he did a practice, how many miles he had in left rear tire, I'll give you that number. Wow. So everything is calculated to the T. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, and it's a crazy thing. You can't, it's not like you rotate the tires or anything, man. You're all, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know what? This one's a little Put the front in the back. We are okay for another half hour. But here's what I'm curious about. You were talking about GT4, GT3. Now I'm kind of like, I'm a little bit confused. What is the difference between a GT4 and a GT3? What's, uh, I, I'm like, I'm kind of like thrown off on it now. Well, that's the thing is that it used to be a lot easier with about maybe three different classes, but now there's about seven different classes. Um, so GT4 is a street car with a roll cage and aerodynamics. GT3 is the uh, street car, not chassis, but just, you know, the logo on the hood. <laughs> um, and everything else is different. You know, the body um, could even be the motor itself. They could be running a different motor compared to the street car. Um, they're completely different horsepower numbers, full aerodynamic system. And just, you know, that's, again, the $500,000 car compared to you get a GT4 car for one hundred seventy-five. You get the Super Trofeo for 320. So, obviously, different brands have their own cars and, uh, you know, classes. Like, there's, not to get confusing, but you have TCR, TCA, TC, GT4, LMP, the prototype series. And it's just, it's a lot to take in. But for GT Lamborghini, the series that I run is its own class, the Super Trofeo series. And that's essentially a cup car. You know how Porsche has... Uh, the Porsche 911 Cup Series. This is Lamborghini's version of that. The Cup Series, basically. Yeah. So basically, the GT4. Let me get, understand this correctly. A GT4 is the actual car itself. Nothing souped up. Nothing mm-hmm. done crazy. Yeah, just a cage and like seats yeah. and like a wing. Whereas a GT3 can be, you can add a different supercharger to it. You can add different exhaust to it. Different intake yeah, manifolds. Exactly. Everything. I see. How did you guys? pick Lamborghini versus Ferrari or Porsche or Mercedes or uh, that's it was kind of like um, it was a joint or a team agreement that we had he he wanted her to per- get into the Porsches and um, and I wanted it to a little more uh, brand name not just a, um, I mean, I'm not saying that Porsche is not a brand name. Yeah, Porsche is a definitely good brand and mm-hmm. obviously has been an icon in a racing. Yeah. But um, um, there is a little more into the Lamborghini, I think, and or a Ferrari. Uh, I didn't choose Ferrari for him when he was a kid because the Ferrari challenge was a little more gentleman-type drivers versus the Lamborghini, you get a little more faster drivers an actual car the super trophy was a very fast car mm-hmm. and if you don't restrict the super trophy that super trophy can be like a mind-boggling that how fast can manage a corners or a braking so that's a brand that i chose mm-hmm. lamborghini and um obviously we do some racing on the amg gt3 as well that's the uh, mercedes basically that's a that's a mercedes um, but uh, Lamborghini has been really friendly with us, and they, they love Steven and what he has done. And he and he was the part of the young d- uh, drivers program with Lamborghini as well. Have you ever met the Lamborghini test driver? I forget his name. Uh, Balbon. Yes. Yes. 
Have you ever met him? <laughs> uh, I really don't think so, actually. No. He's the one that test drives all the new cars that... And, and the new the cars. Tr- the, the, ...that come out on the tr- to take it on the track and make sure... Yeah. Yeah, they say he drives every new car comes out of the every single one. That's what they say. Really? Yes, because the production's gone up. I mean, Lamborghini right now is. I remember they used to do under two thousand cars a year. Now it's reaching what is it now six seven thousand a year, maybe more than that. Yeah, especially the Urus brand really. Um, the I SUV, mean, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's and it's an amazing car, amazing car. The SUV of it? Yes, absolutely. I I can tell you this if. Steven drives a Urus at the track, and you, you put a semi-pro driver on a Huracan. He cannot keep up with really? Urus. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's because I always thought, I mean, why would you pay, let's say, two fifty for an Urus when you can just buy a nicely loaded, let's say, Range Rover, whatever you like? It's uh, why why not just pay two fifty and buy a or 300 and buy, let's say, used Aventador. Why pay for an SUV Lamborghini? That never made sense to me, but... Well, I mean, uh, right now, I mean, Ferrari is getting into the SUV. Maserati yeah. got into the SUV. SUV, mm-hmm. SUV market is... Rolls-Royce. Uh, Rolls-Royce got an SUV. Yeah, Bentley got it. an SUV. So, and, uh, and, you know, every car manufacturer that tries to carry their brand within their line mm-hmm. as well so if it's a Rolls Royce Colonel needs to wants to be very has to have an air ride you have to yeah. be isolated and if it's a Lamborghini you have to have that valve factor obviously of course and I tell you one thing I drove the Urus and it was a mind-boggling really interesting and it's four-wheel drive correct yes all-wheel drive all-wheel, all-wheel drive. drive yeah that's so all well, Lamborghinis are all. Yeah, that's drive. what I'm saying. As yeah. for, is an SUV, it's still an all-wheel drive vehicle. Now, Stephen, let me. I hate to bring this up, and I hope, I hope it hasn't happened. <laughs> I know what's gonna come. <laughs> have you Have you been in a wreck? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's bound to happen in any person's racing career. You know, especially because um, that's really how you get faster too. You know, you learn from it, and that's kind of like the big thing because, you know, no pro driver has ever gone their entire racing career without you know hitting a wall crashing the car totaling it i've definitely had you know my fair share of those moments but that's all those moments have turned me into the driver that i am now better driver Mm. if you haven't crashed you probably haven't pushed yourself to the limit right and you guys you were talking about as far as the car and i mean have you is have it gone to the point where a car has to be replaced uh, <laughs> Dad, that, that, that's, that's since Dad's writing the check, maybe we should. Have. All right, so, so let me give you a little incident that we never publicized this. If uh-huh. Now maybe we should talk about it. <laughs> sure. So, um, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, um, and um, he was practicing testing. And by the way, our testing. It's three times harder than racing. We really test and take the practices seriously. Mm-hmm. Six hours, eight hours a day. And um, he was obviously pushing. And because if he doesn't push, it doesn't work, you know. And um, and I checked the tire log. I was like, okay, we're done with this car. 
he needs to come out. He's, he's out of it. And he, he got on the radio and he said that, you know, I have no tires left. So um, when we practice, we always really push hard until the pit entry lane. We don't just cruise oh, and gosh. we're like, oh, okay, I'm like, really, I have no tires. I'm, we'll just so finish the race. Let's, yeah, we treat it as a race scenario. So he's pushing. I got on the radio. I said, box, box. He got on the radio. He goes, copy, box. He went through the S's, you know, about carrying about 160, 162 miles an hour. He drops the right side of the car on the dirt. And um, intentionally, or no, he had no tires, no. and uh, you go on the S's, you you're full flat. You're carrying about 162 miles an hour there. Oh he dropped the wheel. He brought it back, and the left side really showed attraction. The right side gave up, and he spun out, and he just straight onto the wall at oh, 162 man. miles an hour. It was it was wow. scary, and. He was literally about 100 feet left to the pit entry. And that was a life-changing moment, which, I mean, I just I get a goosebumps just telling you. As a father, when you see your son, he goes like, wah, 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 pam, 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 and the smoke comes out of the car, and he's not answering the radio. Wow. So paramedic, fire department, me, crew, everybody, we're like on a golf cart. They were going, and, you know, and... um. Constantly on the radio, it's like, Stephen, do you copy? Please confirm, do you copy? Are you okay? Oh, my god! Nothing. So, and the smoke's coming out of the car. First thing you know, okay, I need, he needs to press the fire extinguisher button, right? I don't see any fire extinguisher coming. So, by the time I got to the car, he got on the radio. I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm okay. I was like, why are you not answering? It was like, well, I didn't hear you guys talking. Oh, so, <laughs> so, he must have been through, like, multiple Gs. Mm. to faint it for like a few seconds and came back up. Uh, he had some bumps and bruises, and um, we had to lift the car in a forklift. I have the picture. I'll show it to you. Wow. Oh, definitely. It's, um, it was a scary same. moment, obviously, sure. as a father. But but at that moment, I can't think about that. That, okay, yeah, I'm like, he's in a training, tough it up, get back to the car and drive. So then at that day, we're gone. Car is destroyed. Chassis cracked from two different places, right? And it's something that you cannot just say, okay, you know, let's replace it. You know, it's a $90,000 chassis, and it takes about two weeks to transfer everything to the new chassis. And the car won't even be the same. Car won't be the same. Yeah, it's true. Um, and um, that was our practice car, not the actual race car, thank mm -hmm. God. And... Um, Three days later, we said, okay, he needs to get back to training again, right? Steven, are you okay? You can drive? Yeah, okay, we can drive. So take him to the track. He's two seconds off the pace. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay, get out of the car. What's wrong? Well, no, nothing is wrong. Well, I was like, okay. But he's a 13 years old, right? Yeah. So we trained him like, it's okay, you can do it. He got back to it. And at the end of that day, he already had the pace that he left already. But it takes dedication. Of course. You can't just say, oh, my God, no, I'm done. I'm not going to race anymore. You know, As a matter of fact, it made me even race even harder now. Mm. So he was back into a car again <clears throat> three days later with a different car. 
So how, how do you develop that mental toughness at such a young age? I mean, 13 years old, it's like, man, you, you're... You get kicked in the face <laughs> with a soccer ball. You don't want to play soccer anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you total the Lamborghini. <laughs> back on the track within a week. How, how, how do you overcome that? Like, is it just... Uh, you, are you naturally able to do that? Or you have support, help? How, how do you do that? Uh, I think that's definitely, you know, more natural... Um, Minus just that little push just because of me being, like, super young back then. Um, but really, it's just, you know, it's all, like, a mental thing. Um, because the car isn't going to, you know, just all of a sudden fall apart and break on you. Obviously, if you do something, it's going to, then you're going to cause it to break. Um, but you just need to basically put that behind your head Um Kind of like what uh, my coach tells me. Uh, he has this thing called uh, like a filing cabinet. And basically just once that happens, you just kind of put it in there and then close the filing cabinet. And you just mm -hmm. have it in there just for like a memory. Um, but it's something you never kind of like look back or focus on. Um, just because if you focus on an accident, then you slow down. Because that's what Edward commented on. He says he's been to your races firsthand and would he credits your success to is your maturity your discipline and your focus mm -hmm. and I, i still i mean i'm sitting next to you but i still hard, find it hard to believe at such a young age for you to have that level of maturity and uh you know disciplined focus is just and he's just gonna get better yeah i promise I mean, you I, I, like, i mean tr how schumacher being one of the probably the best race car drivers maybe would he be considered like the goat or greatest of all time you think or well schumacher won seven f1 championship yeah back to back uh mm. lewis hamilton just won his sixth okay. yesterday he's getting up there he's getting there so um what age did, and, do you know their history at all I mean, um, when they started and how um, good they were at his age Um, I don't know exactly, um, but definitely started young age, and I would say Stephen started at young age too. So, and what Stephen achieved at his age never happened in the history of racing, racing yeah. wow. to winning the world championship at such a young age. Um, but I know, like Lewis Hamilton had a contract at age fifteen with the McLaren. Mm -hmm. And um, Michael Schumacher had a contract at age 17 with the Porsche, actually. He started with Porsche in a oh, GT2 class, and then he moved to um, open wheels. But um, it's it's a journey, and we'll, we'll just have to see where he's going to take him. It's and just the beginning of the journey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> beginning. But after the crash, as far as... Now, obviously, this is the relationship you guys have uh, as father and son... On the racetrack, I'm assuming it's coach to driver or manager to driver. At w at any point after the crash, did the the fatherly instinct come in and say, "You know what? Maybe we, maybe we shouldn't do this maybe anymore." Maybe I should send him to medical school <laughs> or just get him a basketball coach. Yeah. <laughs> at at um, all, did it cross your mind, or was it more of like, you know what? As father and son, as manager to driver, as You know, as a team, let's stay focused and just continue on. And any hint at all, say, you know what, this is my son. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. All right. I, I want to answer this 
question, I want to be 100% frank with you. Never, ever. Really? Never. Hmm. I would. How about your wife? Uh, How did... Uh, well, uh, I, I was like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as a father, I could see maybe a little bit, you know, we're right. less emotional, we're more... Uh, I'm going to get bashed for this, but level-headed when it comes to these types <laughs> right. of situations, but... How did your wife, your mom, like respond to this crash? Well, well, uh, the thing is that um, he's um, he was four years old when uh, I went through the separation, and um, and I was remarried uh, three years ago. Mm. Okay, and um, and my current wife, his stepmom, is extremely supportive of this. She comes to every races, and she literally like. Does the traveling set up for him? And wow. he, she she supports him a hundred percent. And um, and sometimes she comes to me and was like, "Okay, well, when is the next practice? How come Stephen haven't practiced it?" Like, oh, so like, she's on board as well. She's on board with <laughs> well, the this. whole family's. In oh yeah, yeah. And you know, so no, never ever passed on my head that you know, but. It came to my mind. I was like, "What do I need to do to not to go through this moment again? Mm-hmm. How can I perfect that moment for him to be able to realize I have no tires left? So I need to instead of going ninety nine percent throttle, maybe I need to go to ninety seven percent throttle and still be fast." Yeah. Now, Stephen, after the crash, how long did it take you to actually get back into Stephen mode? Uh, kind of like what he said, uh, just, you know, a couple of days to re- kind of like recap what happened, you know, tuck it to like the back of my head. And then kind of like at the end of the practice day, I was like, well, you know, we're doing this again. So it's just, it's whatever it's behind us. Past is the past. Can't go back and change it. So I just said, well, let's just keep going forward. So it was kind of like, how did it take just a couple of, no, a couple of runs again? Or was it more of just like. You know what? Um, it's in the past. You you literally just laser focus and just basically it. just kind of like um, just a couple of days. You know, kind of like take a breather, and then just right back to it. Because yeah. I'm I'm sure you were sh- pretty shook up. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like you, somebody rear ends you while you're driving on Lenox Boulevard. Everybody grabs you, grab your neck, call the insurance company. Next thing you know, you're getting a big fat check. Yeah. <laughs> Man, al- almost 20 years ago, I was a passenger. My friend crashed his car into into the tree about 60 miles an hour. Until today, I sit in the passenger seat. If somebody kind of drives a little funky, I you freak out. I freak you out. jolt, huh? This is 20 years ago. so i'm surprised he's able to like watch his like a buddy of mine bought a motorcycle and we went to um we were in san diego we went to pick it up and normally when you're driving on the streets and you see a motorcyclist drive by you know another motorcyclist we're driving back from san diego to los angeles and he's behind us my heart's racing the whole time because i know who's who you know who's driving the motorcycle you're like I hope nothing happens to him. I hope nothing happens to him. I hope, not. and this is a friend. Mm-hmm. You have your son behind, a, you know, a, a V10 monster, driving, <laughs> taking turns at what, 100 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, depending something on something in there. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll kind of, I think what also maybe giving gives you the peace of mind is when you understand these cars. It's 
almost impossible for you to hurt yourself in this car because the way it's even designed to take an impact, your body does not take the impact. The car just falls apart. That's how, that's how they're designed. It's not a regular, it's not a Toyota Camry where you absorb the impact yourself. <laughs> it's specific. Am I, well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We, 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 um, we had like um, one of our really good friends and a good driver crashed three months ago at Road America. And um, I considered him that very lucky to walk away from that crash. Um, it was, a, he hit the wall, but what do you think, Steve? 110 miles an hour, maybe? 100, 110? Yeah, 120. 120. And hit the wall, like straight on wall at 120. Uh-huh. And um, car took a really good impact. It's surprising that how Lamborghini Huracan Super Trofeos can take a lot of impacts and be able to save the driver's life. I mean, the engine came almost inside the cabin. Oh, wow. And the front of a car is gone. The wheels were like in pieces. But... Um, but he walked away, and yeah. he he was able to just fine, not even going to get a checkup. <laughs> yeah, the cockpit is. I remember my friend's brother uh, years ago. To I don't know if you remember this story. This was probably I want to say maybe fifteen or so years ago. He was driving his brother's uh, Diablo, speeding on the freeway. He flew off the freeway basically into the tree. Oh, yeah, I was in the newspapers. I remember that. You remember? Yes. You you probably know who they are, too. I don't want to mention their names, but... Let's just not Google Diablo crash. (laughs) The guy just walked out of it with the bruise. That's it. The car was gone, I mean. But the cockpit itself just... It stays intact, in a sense. It's designed where... Supercar. Yeah. Supercar. Well, remember, these cars are... um, They have to pass special testing which is mandated by FIA. We call mm-hmm. it FIA homologations testing. And they have to be uh, obviously extremely safe because they have a capability of going 170, 180 miles an hour. And if, if it goes, gets in the crashes or two cars hit each other, they have to be able to you know, save a driver's life. Of course. And a car hitting a car is not the same as a car hitting a wall. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a... just standing still object yeah but the thing really like just to give you some fact numbers about that crash so you know when plane takes off you feel that g that it goes through your body that's not even one g yeah on the most breaking on a hairpin on maybe like a fast track that he drops from 176 miles an hour to 40 miles an hour he goes about three to four g's Wow. On a braking, which you really cannot even hold your neck because the weight of the helmet wants to. Of course. I mean, he's strapped on, but. And on um, that crash, um, he went somewhere between 25 Gs. So 25 Gs? Yeah. So you you must have been passed out. Probably. <laughs> but you don't feel it at that point, at yeah. that moment. It's like being in a fighter jet. Basically, yeah, because you see those Man. fighter jet videos when they yeah, when they, the G force hits, it's like their face just pulls back and they're out. Right, there's no oxygen going to their brain. Yeah, we have a question for you, Armik. Uh, how long have you been involved in racing? Did you ever race yourself? Um, I I did it more on an amateur level, yeah. and uh, not at his level because obviously I didn't have the support to be able to continue. 
And remember, there's a lot of good drivers out there. It's just the support that they get. And, it, and driving is something that you have to continuously get a seat time. Otherwise, you lose that skill. Mm -hmm. For instance, like if he tests at Watkins Glen on June of this year, and now he wants to not race and go back three years later and test and drive at Watkins Glen, it's a completely different track. So it's something that as a driver, you continuously you have to do testing and be able to make that as a solid career yeah. and I didn't have that chance to do it so I was 20 22 23 when I did some track days and and I did some racing after that but more like at the club level at the SECL level or things like that not at his level because yeah. even now you I'm sure the amount of traveling you do with him that's a huge sacrifice for you to be able to take time away you I don't know if you still work yeah. these days or you still run your business yep. or whatnot, but you're sacrificing a lot to be with him because he's not traveling alone from my understanding, right? You're with him during trainings, during the races, whether it's in Europe right. or wherever it is. Right. Um, so I've been traveling with him a lot. You know, um, my wife helps me, helps me too, but his coach um, travels with him as well. So mo um, majority of the time when he travels to Europe for practicing or testing, his coach goes with him. If it's a competition or race, I definitely have to be there. You have to be there. Yeah. Yeah, the support is obviously very, very important. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to – anything else from our yeah. guests? What's, uh, questions about uh, what are the next steps? I mean, are you – are there different levels you need to get to? Is Formula One, F1 racing, is that in the long-term picture? Where does – where do you – where do you go five, ten years from now? I mean, you're so young. Five, ten years, you're going to be 26. That's <laughs> that's nothing. But where do you where do you see yourself? What's the goal? Mm, I think that uh, I mean that can obviously change, you know, over time. Um, I think obviously for anyone that's a race car driver, you know, Formula One is the top dog. That's obviously an extremely end goal. Um, but again, with the height and, uh, you know, being a Formula One race car driver, you truly do not have a life. Um, you know, I'm still somehow getting away with having a semi-social life. But once, you know, a Formula One driver, you basically throw away all of that into the garbage can and you burn the garbage can and gone. Like, done. Social life is gone. Oh, your entire life you is gone. Um, you know, you're you're only focusing on racing. Um, but I think uh, goal-wise, just really focusing on, you know, kind of like really big races like Daytona 24 Hours or uh, like Spa 24 Hours, like uh, the Nürburgring 24 Hours, just uh, really huge, you know, races out there that uh, really get, you know, that really bring in a lot of like different people. And I think that's kind of like, you know, what I'm especially leaning towards. And is is part of the goal to also have more sponsors or, or when you win these championships do you get anything or is it all just you just have to invest your own money into the into the races so um we do have uh some sponsors luckily that they love steven and they support steven and um actually they've been sponsored for the last three years and um 
And now we're getting a little uh, more feedback from outsiders that they want to sponsor or they want to talk to us. And um, obviously now he's racing in a prime time on NBC, SN, or CBS Live. And um, uh, so you get really good air more time. More exposure, yeah. Correct. And, um, and uh, the big... The bigger the race will be, obviously, the better airtime you get. Um, so our next big race will be um, March of next year at Barber Motorsports. Uh, we do have uh, an option to compete in a Blanc Pond uh, Winter Invitational at Thermal, which starts at December 13. And January and February, it's... it's um, Six week, uh, three weekends, six races, and um, but his goal is to win the Daytona twenty four hours, and um, that's a big goal. Is mm-hmm. when you say Daytona, Daytona twenty hour, is yeah. that a twenty four hour race or what is it? Yes, he oh, won wow. the he won the Laguna Seca eight hours, but our goal will be to win the Daytona twenty four hours. That's it's a check mark and a bucket list. Bucket list. <laughs> so 24 hours meaning oh but not by myself don't worry oh okay okay because i was about to say it, it's um, a team of drivers or it'll be yeah. yes uh it'll be anywhere from three to five drivers minimum uh, okay. and then each one has their own car i'm assuming so each driver gets their own stint and it's a minimum um, maximum 16 minutes per driver per stint and all lamborghini uh, no no it'll be different manufacturers wow and obviously you need manufacturer support to do. We do have a support for a Petit Le Mans next year, uh, which will be in Road Atlanta in month of October. That's a big race. That's a 10 hours race. Wow. And that will be live on NBC as well. So that's, uh, I would say, our one of our primary targets for next year. Let's actually, uh, we'll keep in touch with you on that because we would love to share that, like not only on our feed, but on our personal pages as well, because obviously. That's a that's a huge huge, uh, you know it's a huge race and it's something that we would love to support you on and make sure people are actually tuning in and watching one of our own compete <laughs> and hopefully knock on wood, win win it man, win it literally. Do you, do you guys have team members as well or is it on your team you're the only driver right now? No, so we do have um, uh, team members. So there's uh, two different cars. Um, uh, there used there was uh, three other cars, but kind of like uh, my father mentioned, you know, with that one accident. Um, uh, so currently, there's two other cars. Uh, one is a uh, uh, well, actually, both of them are in the pro am category, whereas I'm in the am, being a single driver. Um, and so one of the teams is the Lamborghini of Vancouver, Canada car, um, the Damon Oki and. Jacob Eidson, um, they're uh, one team, and then a um, good friend of mine, Patrick Leedy, uh, is co-driving with uh, Ron, um, how do you say his last name again? Atapatu. Atapatu, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure he butchers your last name as well, man. <laughs> Probably. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't watch this. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so they're co-driving together, so in total... Um, for our uh, team, U.S. Restronics, there's uh, three cars, two in the same class, and one in the AM category, and that's me. Or at least hoping to stay in AM. Yeah, he's uh, been known to be the youngest driver on the paddock and only Armenian driver 
I would say, professionally racing at this level. And, ever, he, and, ever, he, and he doesn't ever. have his California driver's license. <laughs> I'm in the process of getting it. Are you guys it, looking worry. for a, a little heavy set driver to join the team? I'm not there are meaning to join the team for the books. You <laughs> uh, can work something. <laughs> we can work something. You're the, are, are you the only Armenian on the team as far as drivers? Yeah. Okay. That was one of the questions uh, one of our listeners had. Um, Telman is right that we have to get his autograph because <laughs> the guy's going to be a Schumacher in no time and then we're going to call him. He's not even going to pick up his phone anymore. We're going to say it's Armand from the Wise Nut. Who? Who? NBC's calling him. He's on the uh, Jimmy Kimmel show and everything. What Wise Nuts. <laughs> but, but we can always say you started here. <laughs> he started from the bottom, now he's there. <laughs> Gosh, uh, you want to go to David's question as well before we kind of call it a night? Um, yeah, David has a question of what are the pros and cons of uh, uh, being your age versus the other drivers that you compete with? Uh, pros being young, um, you know, you're more energetic, you're more kind of like daring to try things and take attempts and risks, whereas uh you know being an older uh older driver you kind of you've been there done that and you have obviously um you know more experience and you know exactly what's going to happen if you do this certain thing whereas you know kind of being 16 you're really dumb and stupid so you take every chance that you can <laughs> and uh a world champion dumb and stupid <laughs> that's uh kind of what uh what i do steven your tires are running out don't worry about it <laughs> it's a little muddy i got it <laughs> Um, cons would probably be, um, kind of like my father mentioned at the very beginning was, you know, like the social media backlash. Um, but that's, you know, almost really never been a problem to me. I just kind of turn into a joke out of it sometimes. It's Beautiful. really, really funny. Um, if you ever follow me on uh, Instagram, I've actually turned hate comments into like a portfolio of pictures. Very and nice. I, uh, I do post them sometimes. It's really good. Nice. <laughs> Why would you comment something negative a 16 year old kid that's accomplished so much I don't understand sick people in the head bro bored people I understand if you have negative comments about you know President Trump and <laughs> obviously I'm wearing his hat but uh, a 16 year old kid that's now a world champion what can you possibly say I, you should I, be I you should be basically you know praising it it's like you know what the kid is 16 years old he's accomplished so much Instead of giving him encouragement, it's like you're trying to bring him down for what? I mean, yeah. I mean, they can th- try; they won't succeed. Of course, yeah. it's uh, what's that? There's a saying for it. It's, what does it kill him with what? So there's a saying for it. I forgot what it was called. Uh, Not kindness. kill him with kindness. Is it? With kindness? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kill him with kindness. So do the kind, nice, kind photos, the photo shoots, <laughs> post them, do a hashtag. Do whatever you got to do. Just keep doing what you're doing. Wear the Wise Nuts shirt we're going to give you after the show. Post that and tell them, look, I've been on the Wise Nuts. What else do you guys want? There you go. Exactly. (laughs) I made it to the top of the... (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Nicole had a question as well. Uh, What what do you think is... or What is the secret to your success? What's contributed to your success the most? I know you said you have a very strong support system in your father, which Mm I agree with you 100%. But... Aside from that, what else has been? Uh, instantly, hands down, uh, and it's going to be my answer, you know, till I and stop racing, it's going to be practice. Practice. Um, you know, because, you know, 
the old saying, oh, practice makes perfect, you know, kind of repeat that over and over in your head, but it truly does, you know, make a difference. Um, just because I went from driving by myself and private testing on the track to racing with the same cars and just instantly going out there and dominating. But that's because we, we put, you know, the time and effort into training me and just adding the other cars and as another factor or as, you know, another obstacle of something to get past. And that's kind of what we've been focusing on and practice has really just sharpened my skills. Do you ever think to yourself that this is just a little too much or too much sacrifice, too much, or you're completely on board and like, I'm going to do whatever it takes and I don't care. I don't get to eat cheeseburgers or <laughs> go out on a prom date or, <laughs> um, you know, definitely when I was like 14 and uh, moving on to 15, you know, not truly hundred percent giving it like my full commitment. Um, and just kind of, you know, doing it again just for, like, that experience and that rush. But then as, you know, time went on and seeing me get, like, seeing myself get faster and faster, that's what kind of, you know, just pulled me more into it. Um, and it's just been like that ever since. After about 15, I was completely okay with, you know, throwing away half my life and committing it to this just because this is what I love doing. Yeah. Yeah, the people who will support you will be there for you, mm-hmm. and you don't need to basically run after anybody. They'll be they'll be there for you. Trust me. It you know what's envious? I think I mean me sitting here. I'm more than double your age, and for me to think back, like if I had 15, 14, 15, 16, if I had this level of like commitment and to one thing, knowing exactly what I want to do with my life. I mean, that's I, I can't even absorb and. To comprehend what it takes to really, I'm telling you, it's have it's, that knowing this is exactly what I want to do. It's something where each person is gifted with something. Now, I might not be a race car driver or a soccer player or whatever it is, but there is something in every single person where you're gifted with whatever it is. With his case, 11 years old, he sat behind a car and he drove. It's and like, it's like. Jacob Arman playing drums, I guess, maybe. Yeah. You know, right? The kid right. Would, <clears throat> played the drums at how old was he? Like five, six, something like that? Before he could walk, he was already <clears throat> playing the drums. It's it's just, it's second nature, basically. <clears throat> it's like drinking water at this point. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, people were asking about school, but he's he's being homeschooled, homeschooled now yeah. or, or online school. Yeah, online schooling. So online schooling. He's getting his education. He's yes. going to graduate. <laughs> He'll walk on stage with his Lamborghini. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> uh, Joseph had a personal question, personal mm-hmm. to him. Uh, Joseph's also a personal friend, and he's into cars. He was asking, would you recommend the Aventador? Have you driven the Aventador? Yeah. You have? Um, so we did previously own one, and I have, um, you know, obviously driven it myself, too. Um you for know, his personal use, he's not going to be a race car driver. He's too old to be. No, a race car. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, uh, depending on the year, 2012 and 13 being the first generations, obviously they're going to have you know their little like kinks, uh, issues, kinks yeah. and uh, corks about them. Um, recommendation: Pregnant but Aventador, definitely a 2014 or 15, and it's an excellent car. And not saying that again because I drive Lamborghinis and I represent them but truly from a car person's point of view you know looking at it you're just kind of like oh it's like another guy with a Lamborghini Aventador 
But if you really, you know, drive it how it's supposed to be and put it to, like, its efforts, then it's truly, like, a really good car. You know, it has the horsepower. It has the brakes. It has the, the Carbon grip. ceramic brakes, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously it's not, like, you know, because that's that's a car not made for, like, the track day after day. Um, but, you know, it has the capabilities of doing it, and that's kind of, like, the important thing is that knowing that the car can do it. So definitely, uh, I think definitely a good investment. If he ends up getting it, would you teach him how to drive it? <laughs> <laughs> well, drive it properly, yeah. I should say. <laughs> drive it. I'll do that. Aventador or Huracan? Huracan. Yeah, so really? I think it's because it's, it's just, it's made. To me, there's something about when you open the doors of a Aventador, it's like. That is true. You've the arrived. Doors. What, the scissor doors? Yeah, you, you're there. It's, uh, see, I love Ferraris, but as well. But Lamborghini just, even my, when I bought my son's uh, car that he gets Aventador. to drive. It's, it's an Aventador SV. Um, it's just there's something about the doors that, as a kid, I remember it. It's, right. From the Countach, even though now the Countach, the, uh, the Diablos, the Countach, the Diablo, yeah, I would still drive that, but it's it's something. No, the else. doors definitely know. sell the car. Yeah. The doors, yeah, that's, that's all it nothing, is. Nothing else, just the doors. <laughs> the doors, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just buy a Camry, and uh, which I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, Jerry Armand's on. Hey, J- Jerry, when did Jacob start playing the drums? That's that's a good question. It's his brother. So Jacob, I want to know when Jacob started playing the drums. Because we have the uh, Jacob Armand of race car race car driving, driving here <laughs> as a guest tonight. Eleven years old, the guy was basically driving on the tracks while we were playing on our playstations. Bugatti <laughs> at two hundred and two miles an hour. That's the most I've done was one. I think it was one seventy eight. And I thought that was fast. We were at a, a CHP charity event, and they closed off the 101 for about eight or nine miles near Calabasas. So I got to kind of just push it to about right around 180, 178, 180, and that felt fast. For I mean, a few seconds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for a few. Because it wasn't long enough distance. for right. There were too many cars. Right. Um, but to do 200, that's unimaginable. I mean, that 20 miles, it's not the same as from 40 to 60. No, of course not. From 180 to 200, it's a different <laughs> ball game. It does a lot. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you don't have the right car, the steering wheel starts shaking, your, your foot starts shaking, the car starts shaking. Make sure you're not on your social media. Try oh, I, I, I don't understand when people are driving that fast and they're trying to kind of get it on video. Like, come on, just drive the damn car. Let somebody else. <laughs> let me ask you this question. As a passenger, do you get road rage? Come on. Come on, Steven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not driving fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, even yeah. even on the, uh, you know, like the racetrack, kind of like, uh, like as a joke, you know, when you're falling behind like a really slow car in a, like out on the street and you can't like get past them or they won't pull over, you're kind of like thinking to yourself like, oh, this guy just won't move over. That's kind of like how I am, like. If only we're on the track, I do. <laughs> I do a pit maneuver on him. Spit him out of him. <laughs> oh gosh, man! Anything else you have before we wrap it up? Anything else from the listeners? Uh, no, I think we covered it all. I mean, I'm just again, I'm in awe, and I wish you all the best in terms of 
when you when you talk about 14 15 that was like you know nine months ago <laughs> you make it seem like it was 20 years ago but it's only nine months ago you were 15 or whenever that was but seriously your, your whole future is ahead of you so and you have an amazing father Sports who's got who's supporting you financially not only financially but physically he's there for you which mm-hmm. which is you know some people think it's just about writing checks but it's not he's supporting you physically emotionally in, in every way so you're very lucky to have him and uh i just wish you all the success in the world and you know when you're in, in the big leagues formula one don't forget to come on our show if we're still around next week is our birthday our official birthday oh, nice. so happy birthday we, we've made it one year so far <laughs> i know his dad will answer my call i don't know about <laughs> steve <laughs> I, I know armic's office is i'll find him we'll find armic somehow yeah. but steven i don't know he'll be but flying yeah. in a private jet somewhere <laughs> <laughs> Good luck in your future. Thank um, you. All your future races. Stay safe. That's the most important yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Stay healthy. That's another important thing. Keep doing what you're doing. You're making all of us proud, man. And as a 16-year-old, and I don't want to even call you a kid, but I mean, as a 16-year-old kid, dude, uh, you are doing something truly, truly amazing and just laser focus and just tunnel vision, man. Yeah. You have a bright future ahead of you. And like I said... When you get to 26 and there's 23, 24-year-olds coming into this game, you're going to have 10 years of experience on them. Mm-hmm. So you'll be 10 steps ahead of them. So yeah. keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> thank you again for being on the show. Armik, thank you so much for being on the show as well. Thank you so much. As the manager, as the dad, as the coach, <laughs> as the backbone for Steven. Yeah. I mean, you are truly, truly an amazing parent, a friend, a coach, and a mentor to him. So whatever you're doing with him as well, you stay laser focused. You have the tunnel vision as well. We're, and we're if he both, totals another Lamborghini, don't worry about it. We're both looking to be adopted sometime next year. <laughs> Listen, I've never sat in a Lamborghini before, so you never know. I might, that might be my calling. It might just be my calling. I, I mean, a Ferrari will do as well. I mean, you, you never sure? know. I don't know. Yeah, you think a 488 maybe will do Pot- okay. you yeah. Red. 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 Okay, red. Thanks, guys, for being on the show with us. <laughs> Truly you. appreciate it. Have a great rest of the week. And to our listeners, our watchers, our followers, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, follow Steven on Instagram, on social media as well. He's, you, March, you're racing again, right? Yep. We're going to definitely send us the info on that. We want to share it with everybody to make sure they're supporting you as well. All right? Awesome. See you guys next week. Thank you so much. Yep. Happy Monday. Have a blessed week. Thank you for having thank us. You. Absolutely, guys.